And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 179, uh, a.k.a. season 2, episode 47, uh, coming at you this Saturday morning for now. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with... MC. And, and since MC's back, uh, that usually means we can fire up the phone lines and take your calls, uh, now that you call in anyway. Uh, but those numbers for you to dial are 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. That's 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. Um, and I did, I did send out an invitation for someone to give us a call. So we'll see, we'll see how committed uh, they are to, to, to getting their viewpoint out. Um, and I told them, I'm like, dude, we're going to talk about you anyway, so you might as well uh, be a part of the discussion if you wish. Um, that being said, it's been like three weeks, MC. How was your trip? How was Poland? How was the Liberty Conference? How was everything else going on with you? Uh, well, Poland was uh, really cool. I liked it a lot, and I want to go back. Um, I got to talk to some of the locals, and uh, you know, Poland has uh, quite a in intense history, um, being next to Germany, and uh, <laughs> them, them coming in there and you know setting up uh, death camps. Um, yeah, so we talked about that a little bit. Um, it's, it's pretty interesting. I think the only reason Poland exists is because they have their own language. Um, <laughs> well, for, for 200 years, it wasn't even on the map. Okay. It was, just, it was, it was taken over by its neighbors and they, you know, they, they took their, their territory from them. And, uh, they didn't do anything to stop it. Um, but the one thing they kept was their language and their culture. So, um, that helps a lot. Uh, Ooh. if you're trying to, uh, you know, keep your own, you know, type of people or your own culture alive. Um, so that, that was, that was really interesting. Um, gives a little so bit I of guess, credence to the nationalist movement who want to keep out the dirty, filthy Mexicans and all the other Muslim minorities from coming in. You, if you sure. can keep your language. And, and I don't, I don't know how, uh, how, how much anti-immigration Poland has, um, I, I assume they have some or quite a bit, um, but they don't they don't seem to have the same problem as, as Germany and, and uh, Great Britain at the moment. Uh, but I think I think the subsidies have a lot more to do with that. So if you're actually subsidizing people to come live there. Um, and by then, subsidies, you mean like the welfare state, right? Yeah, the welfare state okay. paying paying people to move there. Um, that's. I think that has more to do with Germany and and England's problems than than uh, than you know. So Poland kind of avoids that at the moment. Um, so yeah. So, so if somebody's going to move there uh, and try to establish themselves, they would have to do it, you know, by actually interacting with the people there, and uh, that can be quite uh, daunting sometimes, especially you know, <laughs> with the language from there. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, so I think that's uh, an effective uh, measure to um, not be uh, uh, flooded with with immigrants. Uh, just don't pay them to come there. <laughs> you know? Right. They'll probably go to a different different country or maybe a, a different Middle Eastern country that you know speaks their language where they can integrate easier. Um, so anyway, Poland. Uh, I, I was in Krakow. Krakow. Poland um, for for a week, I guess, 
and uh, it was really safe there. Um, m- minimal cops walking around. Some of the cops walking around did have like uh, machine guns, um, but yeah, minimal police force uh, in sight. Um, so that was kind of refreshing. Um, most people seemed happy walking around, and that uh, I was in the old town, so it's like you know, okay. it's like the tourist tourist area. So lots of hotels and lots of food and restaurants and lots of bars, uh, people partying until you know, five, six, seven in the morning. Damn. Um, yeah. Yeah. So they pulled some all nighters. Um, my body clock was off. So, uh, <laughs> I, I, I kept, it didn't matter where I was. Um, I kept waking up at 3am. Okay. Um, so sometimes I wake up 3am, go out and party. <laughs> <laughs> like, they didn't know I just woke up, but <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever. But um, yeah, so it was a lot of fun. Um, now the 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 reason you were there was for the was it international international liberty something. Yeah, liberty I know those two words in there. Okay. Yeah, it used to be called something else. They had the abbreviation of ISIL, and they had to get rid of that because of ter- the terrorists. <laughs> but now it's just called. LI for Liberty International. Okay. Um, yeah, it's great. Great conference had uh, I don't know maybe twenty speakers or so over three days. Um, no, no real, not a lot of anarchists. Um, Shame. But a lot of a lot of practical advice for uh, getting around the state, though. So one of the the big themes this time was uh, medical tourism. Okay. Um, so I had probably three people or four people talk, not specifically about that, but mention it and, and, and mention ways of taking advantage of it. Um, so I thought that was really helpful and uh, enlightening and all that. Um, can you, can you share a couple of their, uh, of their words of wisdom? Like if for anyone listening who's thinking about it or in a situation where they might be needing to do something like that, like what was, what what were the, the, like the high talking points as far as what to do to get around the state if you need to do uh, medical tourism? Well, the, the simple point is, I guess, just, just find places where they have prices and uh, if it works out for you, do it. Okay. Um, it, it doesn't get any much more simpler than that. But uh, obviously, so a lot of the discussion happened around, uh, how the state makes things, makes things more expensive and, and why they keep screwing up. And, um, so, so yeah, if you, uh, whether you're going to Mexico or Thailand or India or, you know, wherever, actually there's, there's different areas that specialize in different things. Um, so I can't remember where was it? Philippines for like stomach issues or something like that. But yeah, so they, they mentioned, you know, different places you go for different things. Okay. Um, but yeah, just, I mean, just shop around is the, is the main thing. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I, I mentioned before, you know, for my issues, if, if my cancer ever got worse, I would go to Mexico. It's, okay. They have a pretty good, uh, track record for cancer issues. So, um, so kind of figure out what your diagnosis is and then figure out where, which countries serve those the best. Sure. Yeah. Kind of like, I guess you kind of do that here, right? Cause I mean, we, we live on, on Oahu for now. Um, 
and there's a lot of there's a lot of people who live on the outer islands that get like flown in to Oahu for me- for certain medical treatments because they just don't have the facilities out there. Um, sure. And some people get flown off to the mainland for for medical treatments on Oahu that you know can't get served here. So in in, in that same vein, I mean it's it's the same medical system, but in the same vein, you you kind of go where the treatment would be best for you. Um, to the best of your ability, right? I mean, if if you can't get to Thailand or, or something like that or Mexico, um, then you're kind of SOL. But if you can, right, then you just do, do find the cheapest and most qualified place yeah. to, to take care of your issues. Yeah. But uh, a lot of times it is actually cheaper to go to Mexico, you know, if you live in the continental U.S., um, than it is to get treatment where you are. Um, especially if you have problems at obtaining insurance um but uh but insurance is well that's not a balance. problem anymore you just get it's, on the free obamacare stuff and yeah but even then well it you definitely get probably more treatment than you need that's that's part of why obamacare is bad so they make yep. you take all the tests and all the exams and, and all that stuff and uh yeah and so, so things end up being way more costly than they should be, and, and at the same time, you've got the, the medical cartel restricting the, the amount of doctors. Um, so the doctors are maybe not treating people as good as they should, uh, maybe not as much attention uh, towards the patients, and so mistakes happen. So, and they're overbooked, time, and yeah, too yeah, too many a patients. Times, a lot of times, it is actually better you get better care somewhere else. Uh, so just, yeah, just that's, that's one of the things that's talked about, but, um, I'm actually working on the videos now. So, um, when I upload them, um, the whole world will be able to see them. Sweet. Any, any other big takeaways from the conference with, with any other, any of the other um, topics covered or anything? Well, there's, there's, uh, lots of, uh, people from different countries that showed up and, that that's important because you know everybody's got different things they're dealing with um, and different governments they're dealing with um, so one of the speakers was saying how that uh, he, he works with all the parties and uh, politically uh, okay to get to give them all the right ideas and and uh, and the, the parties actually compete to get his ideas um, because well they're good ideas libertarian ideas and uh, and they work and so so he he plays them against each other and to to get uh his word out there and uh, for him there's he's, he's had a lot of success doing that um so um you know sometimes it's you know life or death issues and so in this particular one it was lebanon okay and uh so for a long time they've had uh like civil war um and at least now they have a uh it's a really corrupt government but at least they're not killing each other so um so now they have you know at least uh the ability to to speak to make change instead of uh exchanging bullets <laughs> to win okay. so so that's that's kind of, that's what they're dealing with, and 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 that that same philosophy applies here too. Um, there's an organization in Hawaii called Grassroots Institute, and they also work uh, across party lines. They're not they're actually not political; they're they're a think tank, um, but 
they they give a similar thing. We're trying to come up with good ideas that work and uh, and give them to the politicians so they can uh, implement them. So that's okay. in contrast to you know taking over politically with the Libertarian Party or taking over uh, you know uh, you know as opposed to doing it by uh, politicians. Um, okay. Would you would you say that that was the big separating point? Why it was more of a, a liber, liberty and libertarian conference as opposed to you said there wasn't a lot of anarchists there, is because they were looking for you know since it's international they're looking for governmental policy issues on how oh, each country no, I, can. I think you know each each presenter uh, was totally on their own with their own ideas coming up there. So it's not it's not like Liberty International is uh, is picking people. It's it's just a place to present everybody's uh, ideas uh, across the world and, and giving uh, their thoughts on what works and what doesn't. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, everybody there is, is trying to promote Liberty and uh, you know, everybody's doing the best they can. So. Okay. Um, Cause I'm, I'm uh, again, I, the, my problem with think tanks, especially Liberty oriented think tanks um, and the the biggest one that I you know take issue take issue and umbrage with is the Cato Institute. Is like it or not, they they take for granted that the government exists and the government needs to operate. And so the policy implementations that they advocate for, that they push, or that they promote, or you know that they they publish on their website, usually has something to do with well, since we have the state and they're going to be doing this, here's the best way that they can do it. Um, and personally, I, I favor, you know, more freedom and anarchist oriented, um, publications where they go like, well, here's the alternative to the state, not here's how the state can do it better because that's, that's not the goal. Uh, you know, that's not, that's not my personal goal as an anarchist is to see the state do things better. It's to eliminate the state and see the alternatives rise up. Um, so even when you talk about, you know, the, the grassroots Institute here, you know, we have a, a mutual friend who was a part of it, still a part of it, promotes it, um, is that they tend to push policy issues, you know, at the, at the local level rather than freedom issues on the individual level. Um, and, you know, but, but, but again, sometimes they come up with good stuff, right? Because we just got hit by almost uh, a hurricane here, uh, so close that everyone was up in a panic. Um, and the, the, uh, was it the, the grassroots Institute, I believe, um, published two articles, um, promoting liberty like one was you know i think I, I i think i have one here uh for show prep i don't know if we'll get into it oh, one, oh no one it was, was cato one but it was something against the jones act um you know right. while and also uh price gouging as as people went to to rummage the stores and get all the supplies that they could get their greedy little hands on yeah and still that's uh, you know trying to uh, appeal to the state to reduce the uh well, <laughs> reduce their presence, and but right, uh, you know, our, whether they do it or not, it's. I mean, it's still good. It's still good to tell them not to do it. So, yeah, and I, I think there was it was prime opportunity to do it. You know, like you you, you don't want to politicize a natural disaster, but eh, you kind of do, man. If you can take advantage of the situation to get ideas out there, uh, I'm all for it. Like I I don't have a problem. If, if, you know. 
if supplies are going to have trouble coming in and out of the state because of the Jones Act, and you go like, well, during the hurricane, if you didn't have this, we'd have more stuff and everything would be available and, you know, people could come and go, it's please, and by all means, you know, advocate against it. And, and people go like, well, it's not a political issue. It absolutely is when you're talking about life and death in the middle of a natural disaster. Um, so, yeah, so, so things like that I, I'm more okay with, but I still don't support uh, in, in whole because, you know, I just, I just want to see it gone completely. Like, not only should there not be a Jones Act, there shouldn't be an enforcement agency, you know, dealing with the Jones Act either, and there shouldn't be the state, you know, to, to pass the laws to implement the Jones Act to begin with. Um, same with the price gouging, right? There shouldn't, there, shouldn't be, there shouldn't be a state setting prices one way or the other, um, and there shouldn't, be a state, uh, there shouldn't be a state to limit what you can and cannot buy um, and how much of it and in what quantity. That should be for the individual mer- merchants, um, and or companies who are selling those products. So when you when you have an opportunity where people know that there's going to be a shortage of goods because, you know, those who get there first get the most, um, then you can say, well, that wouldn't be a problem if they were allowed to raise the price. And go, well, hey, we can't afford it. Like, well, but neither could they, so they'd be more available, right? Then then you would only buy what you actually would use. Uh, I know my step, uh, we have a neighbor who works um, at one of the, the local pharmacy markets here. And, you know, there's usually like a limit on how much water you can buy cases of it in general, like not even during the hurricane. Like they have a limit, like five cases per customer per transaction or whatever. Um, and the neighbor came, you know, complaining because some lady threw a fit in the store that because they you know, weren't going to let her buy 15 cases of water. And they finally let her do it. And guess what? The store ran out of water. So, you know, the two people in line behind her or whatever, you know, didn't get, you know, didn't get, you know, the cases that were allotted to them anyway. Um. Uh, and my stepdad, like, you know, got upset, posted on Facebook, you know, how silly that is, you know, when you know that there's a limit to begin with, um, to not buy that much. And, you know, now that the, the hurricane is passing um, and downgraded, uh, you know, that, that people are going to be returning all that crap that they bought, that they overbought, you know, to the store. And they go, well, you know, if, if, you, if you could raise the price, they wouldn't have bought that much to begin with. And they might, you know, second guess returning it. Um, as well, because, you know, you bought it, you need it, you're going to need it later anyway. Um, so things, so policies like that, you know, where, where you have the opportunity uh, to take advantage of it and to really promote those ideas of, of letting the store set it and how price gouging is not an issue. Um, I think you definitely take advantage of that. MC? Uh, sure. So, yeah, definitely get, get out to Poland. It was fun. It's a good uh, vacation destination. <laughs> See, now that's that's interesting too. So, aside from the Liberty Conference, um, I, know, I know you mentioned the the the, the lack of police. Um, what else? What else can you say about Poland as far as how you felt? Um, how you felt about the the region in general when it comes to being an anarchist or being a libertarian or anything like that? I mean. Is it is it friendly to those ideas when you when if you if you had the opportunity to talk to any of the locals are they are they open to are they open to those perspectives or are they kind of you know just walled off and um I, I guess I didn't talk that much about it um I didn't get the sense that they that the people felt oppressed or anything um so uh, on on the on the bigger picture Poland has their own currency um, so that you know, helps Poland out uh, substantially so they don't have to be tied to the euro so much. Okay. Um, 
and they have their own language and so they have their own culture and i think one of the things i i i can't i can't i haven't verified yet but somebody said they don't tax food interesting Um, uh, food is actually pretty cheap over there it's cheaper well it's cheaper than hawaii and i guess that's not saying that much but (laughs) 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 it's it's definitely cheaper than hawaii um and so so yeah i enjoyed that um i talked to a girl that was serving uh uh, fresh fresh squeeze juice and uh, I asked her how much she made and she said 13 uh, how do you say it Zloty uh, I, I have Poland, no idea okay the, the Poland money um, so 13 and that comes out to about $3.75 nice so I was interested to, to hear that it's, uh, it's pretty low by uh, Hawaii standards but uh, yes um, but, uh, she didn't seem like, I mean, she, she seemed happy when she was working. Um, so I guess, you know, it, it, that's the thing. If, if food is cheap in, in your local area, then you don't need to make as much to survive because you know, food is cheap. So everything kind of equals out, you know, yeah. same, same thing in, in Thailand too. You know, the food's cheaper in Thailand. Uh, people make less money, um, and everybody still gets, gets along, you know? Um, yeah, it's it's those basic necessities like survival. You know, b- before the before you start spending money on the luxury items, is you know, can you afford you know food, clothing, and shelter? Yeah, and so I guess that's my my point is is everything has some type of equilibrium everywhere, and so if if you're poor and you're thinking about moving to Thailand because it's cheaper over there, well, you you're probably going to make less money uh, doing the same job, so. Um, so you'll have this, a similar lifestyle. Um, but yeah, what else do you want to know about Poland? <laughs> well, um, uh, the, the, my, the next real question that I had, because it, it kind of pertains to the, the, you know, the alt-right movement, um, is that in your opinion, do you, do you think, or do you feel, and I, I know you said you didn't talk to the locals, but do you, how do you feel about their being um, kind of a, I'm gonna I'm gonna call it a closed culture, with their own money, their, you know their own their own language, their lack of welfare. Um, does does that contribute to um, increased liberty, or does it not matter? Hmm. Because that's that's the main contention from the the white nationalists and the alt right is that we have to have our own culture, and that's the only way. We can truly be free uh, because if the leftists come in and the and the Muslims come in and the the, the Africans come in, um, they'll destroy our culture. They'll they'll take yeah. away our freedoms, and and so the I, only way to be free is to be you know to be nationalist. I, I would say you would have to ask them, and I'm not a professional. And even if you ask somebody, you'd probably get a biased answer anyway. Um, okay. So all I all I can say is they are they they do have pride in their culture. And uh, and they do have those things that we mentioned with the language and currency, and uh, it seems to be working out for them. They seem pretty happy. So, okay, um, interesting perspective. So, and I don't know how much limits they have on immigration. Um, it, it could be you know zero Muslims. It could be you know some. I don't I don't really know. Um, but uh, on, on the other hand, they're they're. I don't believe Poland is contributing to the invasions of the Middle Eastern countries either. So, um, you know, if, if that's the case, then they're doing, you know, many things right, not, not just one. So, All right. Fair enough. Uh, moving on, 
So what what I wanted to talk about, MC, and thank you for that, you know, lovely talk on on Poland, um, is a is a conversation that I had with uh, a Facebook friend. Now I say a Facebook friend, but he was um, he was more than a Facebook friend at one point. He's not just the guy I know on Facebook. Like I've I've met him in person. Um, I, I've done a little bit of work with him, and he was he was my roommate for a week uh, at one point in time. Um, so I, I I know the guy fairly well although you know since since then we've kind of gone our separate ways but we we still you know converse uh ever so infrequently on facebook um and i want i want to read you uh, my original post um that stemmed the discussion and then you know we'll 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 get to the main point of where i think um he went off the rails a little bit um okay so my original my original post um, was was related to the uh, you <laughs> the, the hurricane that we experienced. Um, so when 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 the hurricane hit, you know there was all like, you know, pray for the hurricane, blah 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 blah. You know, let, let us all whatever. And I I was like, I gotta t- I have to take this opportunity. See, so I put as Hurricane Lane approaches, it is important to remember a few things: uh, taxation is theft, fluoride is a poison, and 9/11 was an inside job. Right. I mean, okay. Sure. I thought it was funny, and uh, you know, I don't, I don't post a lot of original content, and when I do, I don't get uh, that many uh, like button clicks, and it doesn't really bother me. So this one had quite a bit. Like I, I was amazed at the feedback that I was getting on this one. I'm like, all right, good. People, people are getting it. Um, and and then uh, my buddy posted something to the effect of, um, well. Uh, I can't agree with you on the first one, but I'll give you the second two. Um, and then I, I said, "What? Well, because you're going to take the first one by force." You know, again, jokingly, just just to just to see where the discussion takes us. Um, and to come come to come to imagine it, this is why I posted it uh, the, the 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 screen cap of show prep, and it went well beyond what I posted as show prep, um, which we may or may not get into as we discuss this here. So this gentleman. Um, number one, doesn't think that taxation is theft. Number two, later on admitted um, that that he thinks taxation is okay and private property is is limited to the extent that it doesn't benefit the collective. And you can go read all this if you find my, my personal page uh, on Facebook, and then you can read the whole discussion because I don't I don't really I don't lock anything down. Like my 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 personal profile is pretty wide open to the public. Um, but one of the things that, that got me, and this is where I want to have the, the discussion with you, MC, um, was he, he said at, at, some, at one point, um, he said that, uh, uh, I'm going to read it. I get you have a different perspective. However, I'm not attempting to understand your perspective through my own, uh, simply sharing mine and indicating where we may agree. However, I find your tone and assumption of having the correct perspective violent. Um, so, and, and I, I won't read my comment, but my, my response to that was, was basically how ironic it is that you find my tone, uh, regarding this matter to be violent. Um, whereas your actual perspective is one that initiates violence against unwilling members of society. So you advocate a position that actually uses violence. And when I, when I point this fact out to you, uh, you consider my rebuttal to be violent. Um, so my, my question to UMC is not, you know, is taxation theft? Because yeah, we, we can have a whole discussion on that. But rather, 
is this the the liberal perspective where um, stealing is not actual violence and not actual coercion, um, but but talking about it is? Is that is this common? What are what are your thoughts on um, words as violence, MC? Oh, first I just want to say that's that's stupid, and, <laughs> and uh, uh, I guess I guess he was just uh, he was he was offended. Um, that he's being questioned and so he resorted to playing victim and i think that's i think that's the, the leftist attitude uh playing victim to to get their way um i, I don't think it's going to be successful in this argument so i don't know where do you want to move from here <laughs> uh as far as the discussion or in in yeah well i don't know i just i just no, i just find it I, odd Go ahead. I think he's just playing victim, and and that's how he wants to to win by saying, "Oh, well, your 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 tone is violent." Like, oh, whatever, you know. <laughs> well, then clearly, clearly, he doesn't know who he's messing with, right? Because I I think I did a thorough job, and again, you can read all this. I'm not going to rehash the whole argument because that's silly um, to do show on this show. But I think I gave him a a thorough thrashing. Uh, intellectually when it comes to, you know, the, the actual violence in the position. Um, and at no point, uh, the, the difficulty is at no point did he ag agree that his position is violent, but then like doubled down, right? And said like, oh no, you know, tax the rich. I enjoy paying into the system. You know, we need, we, you know, the, the, the typical socialist line right now uh, is we, we need free healthcare and free schooling for everybody, you know? And, you know, and, and I never, I didn't question how that's going to be paid for. Um, the only point that I made was like, that's fucking great, man. Like it's, it's great that you have these noble goals and these causes that you want to work towards. Now, can we work on achieving those without the violence, right? Can, is that possible? Because I don't care if you want universal basic income. I don't care if you want universal health care. I don't care if you don't, if you want universal education for all. Um, I only care about how that's going to come about, right? If you can come about that through voluntary means and exchange amongst individuals, then by all means, let's do it, right? But if you need to use the violence inherent in the system and, you know, take something from others, what doesn't belong to them in order to, in order to fulfill your goals, well, then that's where, that's where I draw the line, right? So, and he was asking me, well, if you, if you rich, if you had alternatives, you know, I would gladly consider your alternatives, right? And I was like, I don't, I don't even, I'm not even going to play that game. Like, it's not, it's not my job. It's not my role to be central planner um, in your little fantasy world, right? I only care about, you know, using the violence. Um, and at one point he compared, he compared me to like the, 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 the Koch brothers, right? Um, saying like, well, the, I, I, I've heard, I've heard the libertarian position on these things, Rich. Um, and I, I am not in alignment with what the Koch brothers are advocating for. And my response there was basically, again, um, don't, don't align me with the Koch brothers, right? Don't care what they have to say. All I care about is whether or not you're using, you, whether or not you're using violence uh, to get what you want, right? If you, can, if you can find a peaceful mechanism uh, to achieve your goals and your dreams, by all means, let's work towards it, right? I can support that. I can get behind that. But once you say, no, we got to, we got to steal from one person to make, you know, other people's dreams come true. That's, that's kind of where I draw the line. And to think 
and, and to say that saying those words is what's actually violent um, is so sad. Uh, you know, coming from, coming from someone, now, now, I get it. He's a little bit older than me, and he just got his MBA, right? So he's like, he's up there, and I, I don't even, like, I have an MBA too, and I don't even care. Not even relevant to this discussion, right? But to someone who is supposedly, like, educated um, to, to one of the highest levels, Right. You know, it doesn't get we can we can have that discussion later, too. But, to, you know, to have a postgraduate degree. Right. Is is kind of a I'm going to say an elite class of people because not everyone goes that far. Right. At every level, people fall off. So to 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 get to get a master's degree in any field um, is commendable, albeit most times unnecessary, as with mine. Um, but to have that level of education and not be able to be honest with yourself Right. When it comes to like the, just the definition of words um, is such I'm going to say it on this show, but I didn't say it there. It's such a leftist thing to do. Right. Like if we sure. if, one of the things, again, I, we talked about the alt-right a little bit earlier with their 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 nationalistic uh, goals and and yeah. and whatever. Right. But at, at the very least, I don't agree with them, but they're honest. Right. They go, no, no, no. You know, I don't, I don't care about freedom so much anymore. Um, we just need to, to, to kill the lefties and get all those people out and hail Hitler and yay fascism and Pinochet did nothing wrong, right? Because doing that will help us achieve our ends. I go, great. You know, at least you're honest. I disagree, right? But we don't have to get, to, we don't have to have a discussion based on definitions of words at this point. Because we were using the same words and you're just okay with the violence. And at least if you're honestly okay with the violence, I know to avoid you, right? Because I don't want anything to do with that. Um, but the leftist, right? The left side of things where, where they want the violence, they just don't want to call it the violence, right? They want the theft. They just don't want to call it the theft, right? They, 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 they want the state. They, they want all this free stuff. They just don't care that it's going to be paid for, you know, at the, at, at the behest of taxation and, and the theft of other people. Um, but they, they fabricate words uh, in order to make that sound less violent, right? So I have less respect for them because at least the people on the right go like, nope, fucking violence and let's kill them and let's do it. And I go, okay, not, don't want to be a part of that. Uh, and the left sucks people in with peace talk, even though to achieve their ends, um, they use violence nonetheless. MC. Well, I don't, I don't know this person, uh, uh, you know, maybe he was just off his game or, or, uh, maybe, uh, uh, or maybe he's just dumb. I don't know. Um, I want to say misguided. I don't want to, I don't want to call him dumb. He's not a dumb guy. I just, th I just think that they get so stuck in, in mechanism Right. I'm, I'm going to use that term with you, MC. They get so stuck in the how things are going to get done that they don't realize what they're doing. And I think that's where we can bring. Um, and again, not my goal, but I think that's where we can uh, attempt to bring lefties uh, on our side is to allow them their goals and just shift the how. Right. What do you want? Free stuff. How do you get it? Not steal from people. You know, and if we can get them off the stealing from people and, you know, eat the rich and take from other people, if we can get them off of that mindset and to focus on actual peaceful, you know, free market ways to achieve their goals, well, then who cares what their goals are?
right? They, they won't, they won't bother us. And even if they do, um, they won't be, it won't affect us, um, in any way in so far as they don't use the state, uh, to take what's mine. Go on. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I don't know how to respond to that because yeah, I already said he's, uh, well, the argument is, um, what did I say really? Yeah. See, I'm getting tired. I can't remember what I said, but you just said dumb. <laughs> And typical of the leftist position. All right. Oh, we can move well, on. I, I'll go ahead. I said he was playing victim, and that's that pretty much what he was resorting to because uh, because he didn't have a, a good answer. And he never rebutted it at all, right? He just we, – we know he doesn't think taxation is theft, um, but then it's just a definite – then it's just a wordplay, right? And if you want to say, no, Rich, taxation isn't theft, it's extortion, I'll go, great, we're on the same page then. Like, I don't, I don't have to simplify it for you. We can have a discussion, you know, that that's more in alignment with what it truly is. Uh, but when, when you, when you throw up uh, platitudes, right, the platitude that everyone knows at this point in time is taxation is theft, right? And, you know, if, I don't, I don't care well, you know, if, if you want to get specific. I'm reading one of his arguments right now when he's saying that, well, if you live within the structure that government provides, then taxation is not theft. Uh, but you know, obviously we're going to disagree with them on that. Um, I'd like to, you know, as, as an improvement to our society, I think it'd be good if, uh, if taxation, all taxation was voluntary, uh, and then you basically pay for the services you want. want. Um, and that would the providers of those services try a little bit harder to provide good services, um, especially in, uh, police forces, um, our services, uh, uh, the ones that are privately owned, I think they're probably run a lot more efficiently, uh, than, than police forces. So there, there are good examples. Yeah. Ways to do things without theft. I mean, there's, there's some cities that, that fired their police department, nothing bad happened. So, um, yeah, provide your own, uh, emergency services or, you know, have a list of friends you can call when you need help, you know? <laughs> yeah. Sell 411 there, if that thing still exists. Yeah. And that's, 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 that, that can be part of the argument. And again, I did not want, I did not want to get in, I did not want to get muddled down in the discussion of providing uh, a free market solution for every, for every sure. rebuttal that he had. Right. Like I'm, I'm not his, into playing that game. Yeah. One of his, his rebuttals was, uh, quote, no one, who is willing to, I'm sorry, no one who is claiming taxation is theft is living outside the infrastructure that government provides. So he's saying if you, if you, if you live in this infrastructure that government provides, that means taxation is not theft. Right. And I'm, and, and I, you know, I mean, that's just what he believes, but you know, <laughs> how do you argue with a belief? <laughs> True. Which, which is why I, and I did not want to argue with the belief. Right. I just, I just said, you know, provide, you come up with alternatives that don't provide, that don't involve the taking. Right. I stopped, I stopped using the word theft. I started just saying, um, taking that which belongs to one and giving it to whom it did not belong originally. Right. And, and, you know, if, if, if you read further, I don't know how far down you're going, um, with his, with his comments, MC. Um, but at one point he said like, you know, oh yeah, I believe in private property, but not at, not not at the, at the, uh, expense of everything else. Right. Like there is something more important in his world than private property. 
And I, I said, well, that makes him a dangerous man. Because at any point on a whim, he can decide, you know, that your property isn't as important as you think. Um, and then he would feel justified in taking it. Like, that's a guy you got to watch out for. Yeah, well, you got to watch out for all of them. All, all of them believe that. <laughs> all the status. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, that's, one, that's one reason why I, I'm wary. You know, even with people I would call friends, um, if, if, they're, if they're not anarchist friends, right, I'm leery around them at all times. Yeah. I have my guard up at all times because you never know. Uh, now I, th- I think I've shared this on the show before, but at one point, you know, when, when Molyneux was on his game, right, he had the against me argument. You know, like, would you do this to me? Would, would you initiate violence directly against me to get what you want? Right. And my stepmom said, yeah, absolutely. I'd put your ass in jail. <laughs> I went, All right. Now, now I know not you are not to be trusted right, yeah. around me or anything like that's, you know, when when you get a, 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 like a, I said, I appreciate the honesty. Right. But when you get the honest answer that, yes, you know, we will hurt you um, to get what we want. Um, you just you, you got to you, you got to separate. Right. It's no longer. It's no longer someone in your life looking for a win-win alternative, right? It's someone who's okay with win-lose as long as they're winning. Yeah, but even in that situation, it doesn't really it's, – it's, it's not a win for everybody, anybody because then everybody has to pay for you to, be, you to sit in jail. <laughs> uh, so, someone else said that uh, uh, get, getting put in prison for not paying taxes is uh, – is, is, living off of everybody else's taxes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you ask, uh, what was it, Irwin Schiff before he passed away? Yeah. Right. He was in jail for a long time for, for, you know, willful failure to file or tax evasion or whatever, whatever the, the official charge was. Um, but then, yeah, what, 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 what good did he do anybody in jail? Right. He, he, he produced no value to society and took value from society uh, against their will and against his, right? The only people that benefited was the state, and who needs that? All right. Shall we get into the articles, the headlines? Sure. Headline! Sorry. High schooler faces prison and expulsion for shooting fake zombies. Uh, Headline, New Jersey's attack on unlicensed movers hurt entrepreneurs and consumers. Uh, Here's one for you, MC. A feeble defense of the Jones Act. Uh, headline, eight-year-old girl walks dog around the block. Police and child services investigate mom. Uh, headline, the moral problem with most gun-free zones. Headline, uh, the militarization of police does not reduce crime. Uh, headline, how desperate is Elon? Uh, and finally, headline, government pushed ethanol harms people and the environment. Uh, any place in particular you want to start this week, MC? Oh my gosh! Did did, did you have one about the sugar? Uh, that might have been another week. That might have been some okay. old show. I can pull that up if you really, if you, if you're. No, that's a, that's okay. Okay. I just, I just got. Uh, I just, you just reminded me of that because of the ethanol thing. Oh, do you want uh, you want to start with the ethanol then? Maybe we can. Sure. I'll, 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 how about this? I'll read the ethanol, and then you can uh, find that sugar article from uh, probably last week's show prep. Or maybe the week before, because I don't remember reading it last week, uh, and I got through most of them last week. And then if it if it relates, uh, then we can jump into to maybe both. Headline: uh, Government pushed ethanol harms people and the environment. 
when the elected officials and bureaucrats who run a government want to stack the deck in favor of a politically connected special interest, they have three main ways that they can go about it. They can subsidize the special interest, often using taxpayer cash. They can penalize their competition of the special interest, often through tariffs. And they can mandate that people do business with the special interest. Each of these actions is economically harmful as government-backed subsidies, penalties, and mandates all impose unnecessary costs to regular, on regular people. Worse, they often lead to predictable, if often unintended, consequences that do serious damage beyond what they do to personal finances. In the case of ethanol in the United States, the federal government has employed all three measures uh, over the years, frequently with bipartisan political support. Its subsidies keep afloat politically connected businesses that wouldn't otherwise be able to keep themselves in business. Its tariffs have kept consumers from being able to buy cheaper sources of ethanol on the global market. And its mandate to put an increase in amount of corn-based ethanol into fuel makes food more expensive. As an example of unintended yet predictable consequences, it turns out that those actions by the U.S. government to push ethanol production and use it in the United States are doing serious damage to the environment. The Daily Caller's Jason Hopkins reports on a new study from the Environmental Protection Agency. Uh, in a study titled Biofuels and the Environment, the Second Triennial Report for, to Congress, uh, the EPA determined that ethanol derived from corn and soybeans is causing serious harm to the environment. Uh, water, soil, air quality were all found to be adversely affected by biofuel mandates. Uh, evidence since enactment of the Energy Independence and Security Act suggests an increase in acreage planted with soybeans and corn, with strong indications from observed changes in land use that some of this increase a consequence of increased biofuel production. Uh, read a portion of the 159-page report. The ethanol mandate has negatively affected water quality with greater biofuel production, resulting in more harmful algae blooms and hypoxia. While most algae is harmless to water, some forms, such as the kind produced in Lake Erie, formed from biofuel feedback, has emitted toxic chemicals into the water. This harmful algae can consume the oxygen in the water, a process known as hypoxia, killing other wildlife. Uh, increased irrigation, fueled by growing demands for ethanol, has also taken a toll on the ground. With a report finding grassland to annual crop conversion negatively impacts soil quality because it increases erosion and the loss of soil nutrients. Essentially, the study found that biofuel mandates are boosting production of corn and soybeans. Large-scale production of these crops is causing environmental degradation. Uh, the EPA also found that, at least in some instances, using ethanol in lieu of gasoline resulted in worse air emissions. Uh, this is a case where stopping the government from doing stupid things will provide significant benefits to both regular Americans and to the world. And that would also reduce federal spending and the bipartisan abuse of power in propping up the ethanol industrial government complex is a windfall bonus. Uh, end of the article. Your, your thoughts on, uh, you know, the, not just the, uh, not just the three ways that it's used for, for corn, but you wanted to talk about sugar as well, as far as uh, subsidized, penalized and mandate. Yeah. I couldn't find the other article, but, um, uh, yeah, I guess it's the same thing over and over with uh, government. Uh, there's, people that have uh, some type of good intention but it, that they don't think about all the other things that could go wrong and uh and and so instead of being around to prevent bad things um 
since when when the government does it, it's it's hard to turn it off. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, created a you know worse environment for everybody um, just because. Um, well, they have monopoly of force, just just like taxation. <laughs> the the irony of your statement, MC, is like the last comment um, with that with that conversation with uh, my Facebook friend um, was was a link to a, a Bastiat article uh, entitled "That Which Is Seen and That Which Is Unseen," right? And and so often um, when when force is being used to control behavior, um, whether it's you know whether it's like you said taxation or tariffs or penalizations or mandates uh, done by the state. Um, to companies is they don't, they only look at the positive outcome that they're hoping to achieve. Right. And they are like, well, uh, you know, we, we, we want more, we want ethanol in cars. So we subsidize ethanol production and therefore more ethanol and gasoline. And then they get more ethanol and gasoline. They go, great fucking pat on the back job. Well done. Um, but what they don't see is all these environmental impacts that, that were not considered, uh, at the time because they weren't, they weren't part of, whatever, you know, whatever study that they were looking into at the time, right? No, no one considered all the other ramifications of, of what this policy was going to do. Uh, they just wanted, they just knew that they wanted their special, special interests um, to do, to do more of it. Um, the only thing I can say, I don't, I don't have the article in front of me yet, yet either MC with sugar, um, is at one point, you know, the, the, the question was asked, um, why is it, you know, that uh, in, in America, all of our, our sweet drinks and candies, right, are, are laden with high fructose corn syrup. Whereas, you know, in, in, our, in, in the, the days of our grandfathers uh, or our pirates, you know, depending on their age, right, it was, it was uh, cane sugar, right, or, or, you know, just natural sugars um, in, in those sugary drinks and sugary candies. Um, and the, an- the answer was simple, right, uh, be- because the government started to subsidize corn um, domestic corn production, and they put tariffs on imported Brazilian sugar, right? And you go, wow, that's that's amazing, right? So all so all of a sudden, corn becomes cheap, sugar becomes more expensive, uh, and then now, right, as as a society, uh, we are penalized, you know, by the the bad health that everyone gets from all this high fructose corn syrup um, laden products, right? No, no matter what it is. Um, and I get it. Like you can go to Whole Foods and stay away from that stuff, um, but it's you know the, the that stuff is you know tariffed and, and highly um, highly increased in in price as well to to bring in anything you know. Uh, I worked at a, a salad joint right, and I I brought it into work um, once because I said you know why is it that a burger which is so bad for you costs like ten times as much um, as a salad which is so good for you. Um, and the answer was simple. It's like an inverted pyramid. Same thing, right? You know, uh, um, subs- subsidies on beef production um, and, and tariffs on imported vegetables. <laughs> so it's, it's as simple as that, man. Um, we, we don't have to discuss why it's good and what's bad. We just have to look at the state's interference uh, in the marketplace for those goods, right? If, 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 there's, if it's cheaper to buy and produce beef, well, then you're going to get more beef, Right. If it's more expensive to bring in vegetables and salads and all the and all the other, uh, n- you know, nutritious things into the marketplace, well, then then less people are going to demand that. Right. I mean, so, so supply and demand like on, on a graph. Right. It's not a very difficult concept to 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 display and to understand. Right. You know, uh, if, if the price goes up, 
supply goes down, right? Because demand goes down. I mean, so they would like the supply to go up, but it just doesn't. They just there's no demand for it, so you 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 know you you have leftovers and and all that excess, um, and then they just stop producing it to 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 get back to the the market equilibrium for demand. It's it's again not not a difficult concept to understand. What's difficult is when you talk about getting the government to interfere with it um, on whatever goods and service you're talking about, right? Uh, veg- vegetable production, uh, beef production, corn production, sugar production. Um, when when the, when the government interferes, um, like I said, it, they they only look at the outcome that they're looking for, and not all the other outcomes that are possible um, or the unintended consequences of their actions. Um, because they they don't even consider those uh, second and third level consequences when they're looking at what their decision is going to be made. I'd rambled for a bit. Uh, any more thoughts on this, MC? Well, so the, the what I was trying to bring up was the same thing that happened with the ethanol production, not well, or or corn subsidies. Now they're subsidizing sugar production, uh, and it's and the the byproducts are are ending up in in the ocean. And it's killing off uh, ocean wildlife. Uh, so instead of just being able to import cheap sugar from South America, uh, where it's abundant, um, they're uh, messing up the environment again. So uh, yeah, more more intervention is uh, causing more environmental problems. So the government is not keeping the environment safe; um, it's actually destroying it. Yeah. And not even to mention the fact that the, the, you know, the military is one of the biggest polluters uh, on the planet, like the United States military, right? They, all these environmental policies, uh, and I know you're a, a, a big um, opponent of the, the military industrial complex MC, but if, if, you, if you just get rid of that, right, the, the, environment, the environmental impact, um, you know, goes, goes down significantly. All right. What else we got? Are you picking right. next? Well, uh, I, I brought up the Jones Act article because I know it's uh, a, a big topic or big interest of yours, especially, you know, we, we talked about the Grassroots Institute earlier. Um, do you want to get into that? Should we talk about that a little bit just in case people were wondering sure. what it was earlier? Okay. A feeble defense of the Jones Act. Headline, uh, Representative Duncan Hunter is not pleased with the Cato Institute's efforts to repeal the Jones Act taking notice of a recent op-ed I penned criticizing the California congressman's support of this costly law. Hunter took to the pages of the same newspaper last week, uh, last weekend to defend his stance. Uh, it's worth reviewing the piece in full as it recycles several arguments typically offered in support of the Jones Act and exposes some glaring weaknesses. Uh, Hunter begins his defense of the Jones Act by disputing accusations that the law negatively impacts Puerto Rico's economy. Uh, from from that article. Uh, like many opponents of the Jones Act, the Cato Institute attempts to conflate this 100-year-old law with the struggle of Puerto Rico's economy. They repeat the same tired argument that the Jones Act is responsible for high prices and economic instability, going so far as to make the ridiculous implication that the Jones Act adds $5 to the cost of a pint of ice cream. A recent economic study disputed these price discrepancies, but if it concerns remain, it's important to recognize that Puerto Ricans have other options. Uh, most of the ships that call on Puerto Rico are foreign flagged, and current law allows them to deliver as many goods from foreign ports as Puerto Ricans can consume. 
A 2013 Government Accountability Office study failed to conclude that removing the Jones Act would benefit Puerto Rico and, in fact, acknowledged that the regulations provides a number of advantages. Other studies have found that the Virgin Islands, approximately 100 miles from Puerto Rico, has no Jones Act requirement but has higher shipping prices than Puerto Rico from the mainland. Uh, Back to the original article. There's a lot to unpack here. But let's begin by noting that the recent economic study Hunter refers to was funded by a pro-Jones Act special interest group with a questionable methodological approach, uh, pointing out that the Puerto Ricans have options for obtaining needed goods that are not subject to the Jones Act, meanwhile, is essentially telling them to eat cake. The rest of the United States is by far Puerto Rico's largest trading partner. Simply doing business with other countries instead of the world's largest economy, with which Puerto Rico shares deep political and cultural links, is oftentimes not a feasible option. Uh, But that doesn't mean Puerto Ricans don't try to hunt for cheaper alternatives. The 2013 GAO report cited by Hunter highlights numerous examples of this dynamic, including farmers who purchased feed from Canada instead of New Jersey due to lower shipping costs, and the sourcing of jet fuel from Venezuela rather than domestically for the same reason. As for the fact that shipping rates are higher to the U.S. Virgin Islands than Puerto Rico, this is apples and oranges comparison. The U.S. Virgin Islands have a population and economy roughly 30 times smaller than Puerto Rico. With its smaller size comes smaller trade flow, smaller economies of scale, and reduced efficiency in servicing this market that is reflected in higher transport costs. Hunter then pivots from discounting the Jones Act economic cost to Puerto Rico to highlighting its alleged national security benefits uh, from from that article. In a time of war, without the Jones Act, a quickly rebuilding our shipyard industrial base would be next to impossible, and training the American merchant mariners to man ships would take precious time that we will not have. Instead, we would have to rely on shipyards overseas to supply our ships, and we would likely have to pay foreign mariners to operate those ships. Is this really a position in the best national security interest of our nation? We can have the strongest military in the world, but without the ships and U.S. merchant mariners to bring supplies to service members overseas, our capabilities would be severely limited. A position acknowledged by General Darren McDew, commander of U.S. Transportation Command. Uh, The reality, back to the original article, the reality is that the Jones Act has presided over the steady decline of the U.S. shipyard industrial base. Since the early 1980s, the United States has lost more than 300 shipyards. It's a, stati- it's a statistic Hunter should be familiar with, given that it was mentioned on several occasions during a 2013 congressional cheering- hearing that he chaired. Furthermore, it claims that the United States would be forced to rely on foreign shipyards without the Jones Act overlooks the existing reliance of foreign components and know-how to produce the few and vastly overpriced commercial ships that emerge from American shipyards. Uh, dependence on foreigners to support the U.S. military, meanwhile, is a description of the status quo. When the United States found itself needing to quickly transport vast amounts of equipment and war material to Saudi Arabia following Iraq's invasion of Kuwait, foreign flagged and crewed ships played a key role. According to the U.S. Transportation Command official history of its role in that conflict, 26.6% of the total unit cargo was carried by foreign flagged vessels. While Jones Act supporters claim the law assures the United States of ready access to ships and merchant marinas in times of war, the Pentagon found its transport capabilities so strained during the conflict that it twice requested the use of transport ships from the Soviet Union and was rejected both times. Uh, On the Mariner front, the United States was forced to press two octogenarians into service and one 92-year-old sailor. Uh, Turning to the present day, meanwhile, the U.S. Maritime Administration published a 2017 report which in its own words document a deficit of mariners with unlimited credentials to meet the national security and force projected needs. Hunter continues in a similar vein. 
The Jones Act would also improve our safety and security. Rather than having unvetted foreign workers sail ships in our inland waterways, the Jones Act mitigates safety risks by ensuring that vessels are operated by U.S. mariners only. Pure demagoguery! Uh, foreign mar mariners already operate in U.S. waters on a daily basis and present no established threat. As a 2011 GAO report noted, overwhelmingly foreign mar uh, maritime crews already make millions of entries into U.S. ports each year, and yet there's never been a reported terrorist attack involving one of these seafarers. Uh, what reason is there to think that the same foreign mariners would suddenly become a menace if permitted to operate on inland waters? Furthermore, Hunter is factually wrong. Uh, foreign mariners are already allowed to work on Jones Act vessels, with the minimum number of American crews set at 75%, not 100. As for safety, let's note that it was the Jones Act shipped with an American captain, the Exxon Valdez, that is responsible for one of the worst environmental disasters in U.S. history. Uh, Congressman Hunter concludes with some comments about the Jones Act's economic impact. The Jones Act, uh, from that article, the Jones Act also provides significant economic benefit, uh, including here in Southern California. The thousands of Jones Act vessels support nearly 500,000 domestic jobs with nearly $100 billion annually in economic impact. The fact is there are cheaper places to build ships than the United States, and I'm sure there are plenty of Chinese shipyards with cheap Chinese steel eager to undercut ones here at home. I am also sure that we, we could find cheaper foreign workers to operate the ships currently sailed by Americans. If building the cheapest ship manned by the lowest paid workers is the end goal, then by all means, let's get rid of the Jones Act. If you are like me and you value good paying U.S. jobs in American shipyards and the Americans who can man those ships in times of conflict, then the Jones Act is clearly worth protecting. Uh, by acknowledging, uh, back to the original article, by acknowledging that hunters, uh, that Americans could buy ships at lower cost abroad as much as eight times cheaper, Hunter essentially concedes that the law imposes a significant economic cost. Paying vastly more to obtain the same goods is a path to impoverishment, not prosperity. Uh, the secret to economic growth and improved standard of living lies in increased efficiency and doing more with less. By blocking Americans for lower cost alternatives, the Jones Act does the opposite. Uh, the national security advantages we allegedly received in exchange for the Jones Act's price tab, meanwhile, are a figment of the imagination. If anything, the law makes us less secure, not more. The Jones Act isn't working. It promised benefits. Its promised benefits have failed to materialize, while the law imposes significant burdens on the U.S. economy. The time for repeal is long past due. Uh, end of the article. Your thoughts on the Jones Act. MC Go. Oh my gosh, that was, was really long, and and uh, it basically uh, describes the whole uh, argument for and against, and uh, it's obvious that it it's it's failed, and it's just really weird that that the the few people that want the Jones Act to be in place still uh, are able to uh, uh, have their way. Um, so yeah, that was a uh, that was a good summary of everything that's going on in Jones Act world. And I, I will say one of the few times that uh, I'm okay with a Cato article, because <laughs> like I said, like I said before, uh, think tanks um, who who promote like government programs um, as alternatives to like what they're doing, like oh no, we just have to reduce what they're doing and not eliminate it, um, is is too much. Whereas this one, where you know where Cato is advocating. For the actual abolition of a failed government program, like I'm all for it. So, so credit where credit is due for the Cato to the Cato Institute. Um, not always a, a fan of what they of what they put out. Right. And this one, sure. Um, so, and if, 
go ahead. So in, in the case of Hawaii, um, the, the local think tank here would say, well, just give Hawaii a, uh, a, a waiver. So that, a pass, because, an exception. You know, yeah, we, because, you know, Hawaii is kind of all the way out here in the middle of nowhere. Um, it would be really advantageous to have more trade come here. Um, and so, yeah, we, we could, uh, we, sh- we definitely should have a waiver. It would help our economy out a lot. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're pro- you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe someday, uh, we'll, we'll get our way, but, uh, and not just the waiver, the complete abolition of the act itself. Right. Well, either one would be good for, for people in Hawaii, but obviously getting rid of it together would be good for the whole country. Yes. Uh, any final thoughts? Because I think no. we can wrap it. Uh, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> All right. You get your rest, my friend. Uh, thank, your, uh, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. You guys know where to find us, anarchistexperience.com, uh, facebook.com slash anarchistexperience. Uh, if you want to read the rest of the show prep that we had uh, pulled for you guys today and find that sugar article, uh, we do it in the group space, facebook.com slash groups slash anarchistexperience. Um, uh, no, not too much action on the Twitter front, but I'm still posting stuff there. So find us on Twitter, twitter.com slash theanarchistexp. And if you'd like to contribute to the show financially, because, hey, why not? Uh, we do that through Patreon, patreon.com slash the anarchist experience. Uh, thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace.